0: If you've got an income, you've got an investment account that's for the long term, and that's called superannuation. Now, the question is, should you consider a self-managed super fund? So, that's you managing your own retirement savings. There's a question here from one of our listeners about this very topic, self-managed superannuation. My name's Glenn James. You're listening to my Millennial Daily.
1: All right. Dallin has asked the question, should I use my money in my offset to purchase an investment property or leave it in my offset? And the second one, follow up is, should I self-manage
0: my super and purchase an investment property with it? Well, John, you're the property guy. It seems like there's a couple of questions there. So, Mm. I mean, effectively, Dallin has got property fever. (laughs)
1: Loves it. Loves it, doesn't it? With a passion.
0: Is Dallin your online alias? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Dallin,
1: I'm actually doing neither of those two. Ooh. Now, let me expand on that, shall I? Yes. So, please. I think the first one, should I use the money in the offset to purchase an investment property or leave it in my offset, right? So, two separate parts to that. The money sitting in the offset is offsetting what I call bad debt on your own mortgage. As soon as we take it out, it's no longer offsetting. So, that's the first part to consider. The second part is Have we got equity in that home that we can pull out and use to buy an investment property? Can we pull the equity out of that property to go and buy an investment property, which is invariably good debt and tax deductible debt? So if we do that, we can leave the cash in the offset. So we get the best of both worlds by running that scenario. The self-made super fund thing, I'm just not up for. Mm-hmm. Now, my reasons behind that are Dallin's got his owner-occupied home, so he's got a chunk of property already. If he converts his super into a self-managed super fund, he's now 100% property. For me, as a property guy, I probably don't want to be 100%, right? We want to have some exposure to to shares, which is is what uh, generally your superannuation is. So I would keep the the super doing its own thing, And potentially get some equity out of that property and leave that cash heavy in the offset.
0: John, you alluded to the elephant in the room and that's the magical D word and that's diversification. We just don't want property everywhere. But one thing that you need to realize with property within your self-managed super fund, a couple of things. There are higher interest rates when borrowing. Number one, you can't just borrow ninety-five percent of the property price. You may need to borrow eighty. 75 70% depending on your lender so you need a higher deposit. You also need to make sure that you've got with and a lot of these lenders that were doing self-managed super fund loans are pulling out. So there's only a couple that are doing it now. And a lot of them ask for the liquidity in the fund. So if you had to borrow 500,000, they may ask for 10% liquidity. So you needed an extra $50,000 in cash in the fund to settle on the property. Yeah. The borrowing and the debt thing is one thing. If you want to renovate the home, you can't just get another mortgage on it. Mm. Uh, It is complex. And my comments still stand, if you did have $500,000 in cash and you wanted to buy a $500,000 property, well, you've got all of your money in one asset within the super fund.
1: Yeah. And traditionally, that interest rate's been higher as well, and you'll need to pay principal and interest in most cases. So, there's a lot of money going out in that property alone,
0: isn't it? Yeah. So I'm more of the view that it's a no than yes when it comes to self-managed super.
1: So when, Glenn, would you actually do a self-managed super fund?
0: Well, I'll tell you right after this. I've got four magic kind of guideposts that you would want to really tick at least one or two of them before you went down the self-managed super fund route. Now, the first one is you really want to have to make the fees worthwhile over $250,000 within the member balance. So, if you and your spouse wanted to create a self-managed super fund, we've got to make sure that there's a fair chunk of cash because you're going to have to pay a couple of grand a year just in accounting and audit costs because you're starting another company. The second reason you might do it is you've got that amount and you run your own business and you need to buy the commercial unit or the office for your business to rent out of. That can make a lot of sense for small business owners to ensure that they've got a place to operate out of. And if they sell the business, they can keep the property and rent it back to the new owners. The third reason and the fourth reason, they're kind of the same. You may set up a self-managed super fund if you've got some complex estate planning needs and you want a little bit of extra flexibility. So, you might have blended family and you want to just make sure that there's a little bit more control at the trustee level. And finally, you might do it if you have significant wealth in your superannuation account. And it makes sense from a fee position overall that you get a self-managed super fund. So yeah, more times than not, it isn't the most fantastic thing in the world, but get advice to your situation. It might be a thing, but it's less popular now. There's uh, less banks lending for property and you can get a lot of the investment options that you would traditionally have used in a self-managed super fund in normal retail funds.
1: So helpful to know when to do the self-managed super fund. Hey, that's all we've got time for. Thanks for hanging out. You're listening to My Millennial Daily. My Millennial Daily is produced by My Millennial Money,
0: also available on Spotify.